Hello. What's happening? Not too much, man. How are you? I've been wondering why you've been hiding from us for the last few weeks. <laughs> Dude, I've been messaging him, saying, hey, did you get a- episode 105? You didn't want to edit it. Well, God damn it, here it is. <laughs> Do something with it. Here's Put episode it 105. <laughs> Just going to keep playing that joke until it dies. <laughs> I am so sorry. You should I- I was sweating Star Wars Monthly Monday right up until the moment that I actually posted it, getting the goddamn thing done. So it, it's it's been a week. So oh my god, you're doing a <laughs> issue seriously? I seriously am. Oh man, this is going to be a, a an interesting bag then. Well, you're gonna, doing it. You're, you're gonna be blasting it right and left, or is there some other reason that it's? Uh... Uh, well, I, I have something of a B lister book myself, so well, you know, well, I, I don't want to. <laughs> this is gonna be the B night. <laughs> I don't want to go with like blockbusters every time, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I want it to be somewhat random. Yeah, because then we just get, oh, that was great. Oh, I thought it was great too. That was awesome. <laughs> what do you guys? That was that? boring. <laughs> Who the hell is this guy, this FF guy? That's the Firefly. Oh, yeah, he is ah. so lame. He is so incredibly lame. I want to cosplay as this guy. As well you should. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would be a good idea with all those rainbow colors on your belt. Oh, that's yeah, that's, and... this is very true. This is what he left Spider-Man to do, huh? Wow. <laughs> uh... What are you giggling about? Chris just sent me this picture that uh, he says it was the, it's an ad on the back of a book that he bought, and I and I asked him. I said, "Did you Photoshop this?" He said, "Nope, this is one hundred percent real." Let me let me attach it. Injuries As- to the female in coitus. <laughs> <laughs> or jump. Bill, I had no idea. <laughs> Awesome. At least the middle initials. (laughs) Useless sexual excitement. Awesome. Okay, it's it's loaded now. I gotta just get it to open. (laughs) Price five dollars. So you're an expert, huh? I had had no idea. Oh, this is. There it is. You've been holding out on us. Sexual impotence by William Robinson. Eugenics publishing. God! <laughs> isn't this the uh, isn't this the dude from uh, Lost in Space? <laughs> oh god! I got tears in my eyes. <laughs> uh, uh, wow! It is well worth many times its price to those who are in need of this knowledge. <laughs> Uh, yep. <laughs> you chance <Janice> publishing. <laughs> I asked him, I said, did you Photoshop this at all? He's like, no, this is straight the way it was on the back cover. That's this is what happens when you're <gasps> who's constantly going to garage sales. Yep. <laughs> when you're unemployed and have way too much free time. He found my sexual impotence book. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd buried that long ago. That's how you made your millions, huh? <laughs> yeah, I <it> squandered them. Hookers <laughs> <laughs> and blow. <laughs> My prostitute's trying to get me up. 
<laughs> no, really, it's research for my next book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I, I want to grab something to drink, and then we can get started. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm thirsty now, this whole impotence thing. <laughs> He's going to go rub one out. <laughs> you know, he's going to be back in like 10 seconds and we're going to laugh even harder. <laughs> it didn't take him that long. You know, if I, if I don't sit here drinking... If I don't sit here drinking my sparkling water, I may not have to pee until the episode. Oh, I missed a good one, huh? Somebody bring this bitch in. Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> or not. <laughs> I I was ready to do it, and then I heard Bill clear his throat. I said, okay, Bill's going to do it. <laughs> no, I was trying to stop laughing. All right, well, while Bill laughs, let me, let me uh, bring everybody up to speed. This is Back to the Bins, episode 107. <laughs> and Bill and Scott have been laughing, so I have to talk. I thought this was tower. 108. This is 108. Why? Oh, yeah, okay. Seven. <laughs> Jesus, I haven't even been here. In... Yeah, I know what episode it is, and you don't know. I've been. Yeah, go pedal your papers. I've been one episode behind <laughs> for about a month now. Do <laughs> <laughs> that, whatever you will. <laughs> I'm joined by my two very giggly friends today, Scott Gardner. Hello. And William Robinson. <laughs> Doctor MD. Hello. We got no email today, guys. No email. Aww. Actually, do are we sure? I will... Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to form a sentence here. Huh? Um. One of those says, "Well, I, I'm not sure." Say not spam. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't remember reading it last week because I didn't delete the two that were there. But I swear it's different from the one we read last week. Well, remember when, when we were reading it last week, I had a, an issue that I had a piece of email from two weeks ago. And I didn't have it. Yeah. But you did. And the one you read, I didn't have. So I don't know what was going on there. What? Yeah, because I've got one that I don't recognize, but I know we didn't have it last week. It talks about, um, see, this has to be an old one. Did you have one about the Avengers, Paul? Yeah, I think we did that in the email episode the last time Scott was with us. No, because I no, because the one I listed that and edited it, and it had, I swear it was the Star Trek one he had sent an email about. I think the Star Trek one was last week. Was it? I think so. Oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> but whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to do email that we've already done. 
Yeah, well, I think we've done it. So we just will. We're we're sorry if we screwed this up, but we're starting over on emails. But I'm sure we have nobody no, listening is just saying this is great. This is why I download this <laughs> show. <laughs> Such confusion. Even though this is supposed to be an edit-free show, maybe we ought to make a big edit right there in the beginning <laughs> well, you know, of the you know show. What we, could, we could do, because this has been sloppy from the start. We could just bring it right in. Start again. it all over again? Yeah. That's fine. Because it's, it's too too much of a pain to edit that out. <clears throat> make That's it cool. Clear. Okay. Are you ready? I'll bring it in. Okay. Hey, Second everybody. Guts, guys. Oh. The ghost oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. I'll shut up now. Please, sir. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro. This is episode number 108 and I am joined by my friends Scott H. Gardner. <laughs> How's it going? And it's going good. <laughs> and Dr. William Robinson. <laughs> he Mad doctor. Mad doctor. <laughs> the crazy doctor. How you doing, Bill? Well, I'm not impotent, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Anybody who wants to know about that joke, please feel free to contact Chris Honeywell. Yes, he can explain everything. Because <laughs> Chris is fully versed in your <laughs> potence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's off the rails instantly. Oh, yeah, but, th- but that time it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so we have no email today. So we might as well jump right into our Marvel book, which is being brought to us today by Scott. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, pressure's on. All right, this is a Marvel comic book. We are going back to December 1970. Oh, I need the glasses, need the glasses. What is this? 76, 1976. This is... Daredevil, the man without eyes that work, number 140. Cover on this one, uh, there are no cover credits on it, and we have had conflicting information as to who the artist is. Paul's sources say that it was Rich Buckler. My sources say that it was, who was it, Dave Cockrum and who did I say? Joe Sinnott, I think? Yes, yes. Um, regardless... And I, and I have no sources of it whatsoever. <laughs> but from the looks of it, I'm thinking your sources are more likely accurate than mine. It looks more like a like a Cockrum cover to me, but I'm I'm not sure. But it is a very uh, dynamic cover. The cover copy says "Between the Beetle and the Blades." We have uh, the Beetle. Now I always think of Spider of uh, the Beetle as a Spider-Man villain, but where did you guys know where he first debuted? Was was he a Spider-Man villain right from the get-go? I'm pretty Liverpool? sure he was. <laughs> what? Um, I, I I said Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, I'm God. pretty sure he's been a Spider-Man villain initially. That's what I thought, too. I always think of him as a Spider-Man villain. Um, and that's primarily why I have this issue. I'm actually a, a, a big uh, a big fan of the Beatle. I, I like this character a lot. I like this villain a lot. Um, and on the oh, cover... Oh, the Beatle and the Beatles. Right. Oh, I get yes. it. Yes. <laughs> I <Okay>. do bits. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. <laughs> he's dropping daredevil toward a couple of uh rotating uh buzz saws which is pretty cool on this and daredevil's got a shocked look on his face pretty cool which that could be uh that could be the gladiator because that's a daredevil villain isn't it that has like buzzsaw blades on him Mm -hmm. that's correct 
Absolutely. And I'm going to interrupt you for a second because this is very surprising. I looked it up on Wikipedia, which you know everything on Wikipedia is accurate. Uh, he he was initially a Human Torch villain, and debuted in Strange Tales 123. Wow. Hmm. I did not know that. Nor did I. Hmm. You learn something new every day. Well, the title on this one, <clears throat> pardon me, is Death Times Two. It is uh, written, it says here, guest writer. And I, I'm going to write up front, I'm going to have to profess almost complete and total ignorance of the character of, of Daredevil, but I'll talk more about that later. So I have no idea, like, who the regular team or anything was. I have no idea what was going on at this time, anything like that. I don't even remember how exactly this particular issue fell into my lap. It just... I'm sure it was part of a collection I bought at some time or something. So this is my first time uh, looking at this particular issue. Anyway, the writer on this one says, Guest writer Bill Mantlo. Uh, layouts are by Sal Buscema. Finished art and colors by Klaus Jansen. And then we got the usual uh, crew after that. Death Times 2 is the name of the story. And it starts off very dynamic full-page splash of Daredevil swinging through New York City at Midtown uh, and he sees this out-of-control bus, and he's, you know, he's the hero. He's got to help. So he swings down, lands on top of the bus, and he's trying to figure out, all right, what, what do I do now? So eventually he uh, uses his gymnastic skills, smashes through the front of the bus window, and he's trying to pull the driver, who has apparently had a heart attack and passed out at the wheel. He's trying to pull the driver out of the driver's seat so that he can take over and stop the bus when his radar sense picks up a woman and a child directly in the path of the speeding bus so unable to really do much of anything else he just throws the wheel to one side causing the the bus to swerve aside at the last minute before running over these uh these pedestrians and it actually turns on its side and skids to a halt it's a really dynamic sequence of events the art's fantastic and uh daredevil crawls out of the bus and he's uh thankful that you know he did it he saved everybody and the, the driver's rescued, carted off to the hospital. And a cop is, uh, you know, strikes up a conversation with Daredevil and happens to mention to him that one of his old foes, the Gladiator, has escaped from jail in Florida. And he's uh, just given Daredevil the update on that. And we get a little flashback sequence with the Daredevil, basically recapping us on the last appearance of the Gladiator, who was apparently, I guess, taken down by the man thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we switch scenes to a, uh, a speeding uh, train called the Silver Comet, which says flashing its way north from Florida. And the, the ticket takers going around the bus, collecting up the you know tickets from everybody when the Gladiator breaks in and cuts the guy in, seemingly like disembowels the guy. But then what I thought was kind of silly, and I guess this is just a trope of old comics, very next panel, of course, we don't see the guy all ripped open or anything, but there's a lady holding her hand to her face saying, thank God it didn't kill him. I'm thinking, seriously? Because it looked like it should have just cleaved him in half, basically. <laughs> didn't kill him yet. He's clinging to yeah. life for about 20 more seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> His guts are spilled out on the floor. So then the roof of the, uh, the train gets ripped open, and it's the Beetle. And the Beatles come to uh, join up with Gladiator. Now, this part of the story was a little bit strange because there's really no explanation given whatsoever. Did these guys know each other? Had they worked together in the past? How exactly did this team form? Because up till now, it's been all about the Gladiator. The Beatle just kind of pops into this story, really. 
Meantime, we cut back to New York City, Daredevil's swinging around, and all of a sudden there's a big explosion. He goes to investigate. Sure enough, it's the Beetle and the Gladiator. So they've gotten there really fast from, from Florida. And there's a whole lot of fighting and smacking and punching people around. I particularly like the sequence where Daredevil just kind of wades into the battle. And at first he looks like he's uh, he's got the upper hand versus the Gladiator. But the Gladiator gets him in kind of a bear hug. And this allows his spinning blades to just dig trenches in Daredevil's back. I really like that part. So Daredevil's all cut up and bleeding for the whole rest of the issue. And so he's got to contend with not one, but two supervillains in this. And, uh, and they give him quite a hard time. The art is really fantastic. There's a lot of swinging and punching and fighting and you know just all the usual superhero stuff. But very, very dynamically drawn. It really looks fantastic. And uh, I, I think Klaus Jansen, um, really, I, I think he lends a lot to the art in this. This is the, the combination we talked about a couple of weeks ago in that Defenders issue. Right, yeah. The Sal Buscema, Klaus Jansen combo. I think they really worked well together. I think so, too. And it's funny because I don't think I would have thought so as a kid, but I definitely think so now. I really think this is great. Well, eventually, during the course of the battle, the beetle gets uh, gets Daredevil, and he's holding on to him with those big suction cup tendril things of his, and he's holding him while the gladiator basically charges in for the kill. Daredevil, last minute, is able to reach his legs up over his head, grab the beetle's head, and kind of flip him around, and when he does, he crashes into gladiator, and it cuts him up by gladiators blades and everything and this gives daredevil the uh the distraction and the opportunity he needs to basically take them down or take the beetle down anyway and the gladiator gets away and he grabs uh an old man to take him hostage and is basically like you know i'm gonna kill this old man if you don't give yourself up it's you that i've come for you know it's you that i want my revenge on and everything and daredevil gives gladiator an open shot at him and when gladiator basically shoves the old man aside to attack daredevil that's daredevil's opening to just mop the floor with uh, with gladiator and he smashes him up <clears throat> pretty good throws him into a newsstand knocks him unconscious and that's pretty much the end of the issue and it ends a very cool shot of daredevil talking to the old man who was the uh, the vendor of the, the little newsstand Gladiator's laying there unconscious, and there's a couple of Marvel comic books sitting around him. It's a, 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 you know, at the time would have been contemporary issues of uh, Nova and um, Tomb of Dracula. I thought that was pretty cool. Some well-placed product placement. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't anything to write home about as far as the story. It's pretty standard fare as far as, you know, the villain breaks out of jail you know, the last guy that he fought was Hero X, so he's pissed and he's going to go attack Hero X to try to get revenge on having thrown him in the clink in the first place. I've read this same kind of story a thousand times in old comics. That's not really a harsh criticism. It's just, you know, it, it feels very run-of-the-mill at this point. What really stands out in this and, and really makes it memorable or, or you know, something worth uh, worth owning I think is the art. I, I, I just can't praise the art high enough. I think it's really, really fantastic. Plus, 
I was blown away by the very violent and bloodthirsty nature of the villains in such an old comic. There's a moment in here right after the beetle rips into the train to gain access and he and uh, Gladi- Gladiator team up where they force everybody off the train. Well, the train is still moving and there's, mm-hmm. there's an old guy that says, but we're moving at 75 miles an hour. Two panels later, it shows the train rounding a curve, still going full blast, and everybody's either jumping or being thrown from the train. This would kill people. I mean, this would kill probably everybody. And from and, the, the positioning of their bodies in the, the panel after that, it looks like Gladiator is laughing. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I, think, I thought that was really cool. Um, what detracts from this... And again, this is me professing my ignorance. I don't really know a whole lot about Daredevil. I've read, I think I've read all of both of Frank Miller's runs, all or most. And I read the one, um, um, what you call it, graphic novel that was um, Frank Miller and Bill Sankevic working together. I think that's about it. I think that's pretty much my extent of Daredevil. Um, I've never really liked the character. I've never really thought much of him. And my problem with this particular issue is he doesn't really have a distinct personality. It's tough to get a grip on this guy because he feels like Spider-Man light. He's jokey. He's constantly cutting up with goofy one-liners and very, very, very cliched Marvel Comics generic superhero dialogue. And that gives him a very generic feel. He doesn't really seem like he has a personality or really much of a shtick of his own beyond the I'm blind thing, which I've always, I'll be honest, I've always found it to be really silly. I don't mean that to sound insensitive. You know, I have, you know, a lot of sympathy and respect for blind people. It's got to be a bitch, you know, but at the same rate, I don't think that lends itself to be being a particularly interesting superhero. I think it's kind of a laughable concept. So he's already got that challenge to to meet in my eyes to make him a believable and interesting character. And then you double it with dialogue that just makes him feel like every other hero out there at the time. And it just doesn't really compel me to want to keep coming back and, and checking anything else out with the character. You know, I know later on they darkened him up and he became a little bit more. I don't know. I always thought of him more like Batman, like kind of like like Marvel's version of Batman. He was a little bit darker, a little bit more, uh, you know, um, silent, you know, silent and grim, that sort of thing. But I don't know. I don't know if that's just my impression from the little bit I've read of him or what. I'm really curious what you guys uh, think about this and, and how familiar you guys are with Daredevil. Well, I'd say, I'd say I'm a little more familiar than you. I was reading. I started reading Daredevil. It, it, it almost scares me sometimes that I remember the exact issue. I, I started reading it at issue 109. And uh, he really was... Your, your description is pretty accurate of Silver Age Daredevil. That he was pretty much, you know, one-dimensional. You know, he, he has a blind guy. But every other trope that they could, you know, put in there, they did. You know, he, he worked with the woman with the unrequited love for her. And she loved him. I mean, it was the same... You know, Tony Stark, Pepper Potts uh, uh, relationship that, that they had going in that, that book. And and they never really did flesh out his personality. They did it a little bit when they teamed him up with Black Widow. 
but they didn't take it to the next level. Uh, it really took Frank Miller to make him into a three-dimensional character. Uh, and, and interestingly, he also made Gladiator into a much, much more uh, deep character than he had been uh, previously. Here, he's just kind of like a, a maniacal, bloodthirsty villain. But right. ev- eventually, he... he you know, he he was really a guy, a, a simple man with. I think he had a, like a dual personality, or he had some sort of a, a mental disorder. Uh, I know there was one point where he was actually like uh, having these illusions that he was back in Rome in a gladiator, and and just cutting people down. Uh, you know, they, they they really delved into him a lot. Uh, I don't think that Daredevil became a dark character so much as the stories around him became dark and it was how is he going to deal with it in fact they they basically when they when they gave him more of a personality they turned him into a devout christian uh, right and 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 just had you know it it really became a matter of how much can we heap on this guy every possible you know thing that could go wrong in his life well let's see how he'll deal with this and that's really what made the stories so dark uh, which has recently kind of been changed around because under the the recent run with Mark Wade, uh, he really lightened it up a lot again, and it's it's been a, a very enjoyable run for, I guess he's up to about issue 23 now, but it's it's been a good run. I I I have a fondness for the character, but I I do agree with what you're saying about uh, you know early on he didn't have too much going for him. See, it's it's funny. It almost makes me feel hypocritical, wishing that the character was darker. Because I was not a big fan of that in the 80s and 90s when they took, you know, everybody and darkened them up. I mean, some characters that were completely ridiculous to think of them being taken and and giving the grim and gritty treatment. However, you know, if there's one thing I've always thought Daredevil really had working for him is his look. I've always thought he actually had one of the coolest outfits in comics. I really like his look. I think... You know, the, the, the satiny red, you know, the whole devil thing really worked for him. Which is kind of and, ironic since they went from such a terrible look in the first six issues. Right. But, you know, the just the whole idea that he looks, um, I don't want to say satanic, but he looks like he should be a dark character. You know, he's dressed as a devil. So... The whole idea of this guy who's dressed like this, who just his whole outfit to me just exudes kind of dark character, you know, dark hero. And then he's joking and cutting up like Spider-Man. It's just very disconcerting that the, the, the behavior doesn't match the look. So I'm kind of surprised that this character wasn't kind of a, a darker character right from the get go. Almost, uh, you know, how they used to write, say, like, Ghost Rider around this time. You know, mm. I think that that could have lent into the character a little bit more. But I don't know. That's just me, you know, armchairing the whole thing. I really don't know. But uh, I don't really... Oh, I'm sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, As you say, you just, you just got to thank God that the blades on Gladiator's costume are more than, like, I don't know, an eighth of an inch deep. Right. Because he was cutting <laughs> into people right and left, and it looks like nobody got more than a superficial wound out of the deal. <laughs> or their clothes. That looks about it. Oh, now, man. Just, oh, you cut my shirt, man. <laughs> I'll get now, you for yeah, that. Did he stick with that name? Gladiator? Ooh, Gladiator? Yeah. Yes, he uh, did. Yeah, I just pulled a few things up. Uh, pretty much after this, it says he later was under the control of the Purple Man 
And then after that, uh, he had one less battle against Daredevil before deciding to reform, and he underwent therapy. Then later, um, he fights again with Daredevil and Elektra against the Hand. Uh, and then eventually, it looks like uh, now this might have maybe been during Bendis's run. Uh, he uh, Matt Murdock's law firm defends Gladiator because he's been. He's been in prison and he's been charged with killing two uh, other inmates, but Murdoch knows that he's innocent, uh, you know, because of his super blind senses. Um, but then he like loses it and then brutally assaults a guard and ends it. You know, has to stay in prison. So yeah, yeah, he's he, he he's a he's had a longer history, probably more more recently. Well, recently, probably in the two thousands. I'm not. They don't really give me a timeline here. I'm looking up a cover. <clears throat> excuse me, looking up a cover right now, because I, I seem to recall that this guy fought Spider-Man, and I want to say it was an issue of Spectacular with a. Yeah, here it is, right here, Spectacular number seventy-seven. It's a cover I never particularly cared for, and it sure looks like it's him, but I don't remember that being his name in the issue. But granted, it's been a while since I've read this. Particular well, his issue. alter egos. I guess his name Melvin something Melvin Potter. There we go. Yeah, hmm. he's a reformed supervillain, is what they list him as in Wikipedia. Which again is the source of all truth. Yes. <laughs> it says not to be confused with Gladiator. That would be <laughs> that would be the one with the Mohawk. <laughs> that's that Gladiator. Oh, on. the one with your so favorite fa- color, yeah. uh, right? With your favorite cover from uh, FF, right? Two forty nine. Yeah, where he's where he kicks everybody's butt. That I, I, that from the Imperial Guard. Yeah, I'd like to see a fight between those two for the title. That should last all of like a millisecond. Yeah. <laughs> Eye beams, poof, gone. <laughs> well, I remember that they had uh, Power Man versus Power Man for the title. Right, right. And both those characters, the Beetle and uh, and Power Man, wound up on uh, the Thunderbolts too. Yes, yeah. Yes, Power Man became Atlas, and the Beetle became Mach Five. Mach. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Fixer? Fixer is. Uh, oh, I don't remember what his name was on on thun, on Thunderbolts. Trapster? No, no, that's Pastepot no. Pete. Uh, Fixer became. It's like somebody, techno or something like that. That sounds about right. I don't want somebody. Like I don't that. want you know. I want email, but I don't want that email. <laughs> so I'm looking it up. Now my my experience with Daredevil was um, just just when I was still in high school uh, at the comic shop I went to. I was uh, a guy showed me. Hey, you should start reading this, and and it was. Uh, it was right when, um, um, yeah, okay. Fra- Frank Miller had just started doing the book, and the f- and the cover that I remember is, um, I think the one with Deathstalker phases through a tombstone, and halfway through, at the end of the book, he phases solid, and he ends up dying because he's you know stuck in the tombstone. That was what sticks out in in the Deathstalker you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't I that like that. right? That's like right on the cover, and then yes. that happens at the end of the story too. Yes, that was that was very cool. <laughs> yeah, and then you know later with the Electra stuff, and then then I drifted away, and then I actually Byrne did it for a little bit, like in the two like two hundred two two hundred five, I want to say it, it, issue range, and um, 
you know, I've just kind of drifted to it on and off. N- never yeah. really been a, a a constant fan. Sometimes when a certain artist or a certain storyline is has has been there, I've picked it up. You know, it's it's not a bad book. I think it depends on who's writing it, really. You know, to, to, it makes it. You know, um, I haven't read it recently. I mean, I know I heard about the Shadowland, and I didn't really think that really sounded that interesting did you guys hear about that storyline that's when he was possessed by a demon from the hand and he basically took over downtown you know he turned uh hell's kitchen into a fortress and was kicking everybody's butt that came in to try to usurp him from his uh throne i i read some of it i found it to be kind of meh and just stopped reading it yeah i uh i looked it up yeah he was known as uh techno with the thunderbolts ah me with the memory that's shocking <laughs> i read i read quite a little uh bit of uh thunderbolts i like that series one of these days i want to go back and, and get caught up because i i think i stopped reading right around the time of uh it was like issue 75 or something like that where was that when showed... they made it into like a fight club series it was not yeah, long before was... that yeah that's, i that's... don't have any of those that series has really had a lot of ebb and flow to it. It started off tremendous, I thought. And then, uh, you know, it almost became tired, the whole storyline of them wanting to be good guys, but tempted to not be good guys. They just kept se- seemingly doing the same story over and over again. Right. Uh, and and then they, you know, it's it's had moments where it's, re, you know, revitalized, but it, 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 it they haven't lived up to the initial uh, quality of the series. Well, there was uh, plus there was the six issue crossover I think they had with uh, with with the Avengers, and I think that's when Hawkeye came on to the Thunderbolts, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. earlier though. That's that's probably around issue yeah. thirty five or so. Uh, but it's eventually it's turned into like the Suicide Squad, and you know it's, yeah. it's okay, but it's nothing you know nothing that you'd really have to go out of your way to read. I want to read it, though, one of these days just to get caught up and see where different uh, characters and storylines and stuff went. Plus, I know in the second volume that uh, Tom Grummet did a run on it, and I I love his stuff. He can do no wrong in my book. I love that guy's art. But, you know, it's funny. We were talking not long ago. You know, we've actually done, I think, several episodes now of various shows talking about, you know, this whole collect, you know, the whole idea of collecting and the mental illness that's involved in being a comic collector and all that. I'm looking here, just Daredevil Volume 1, not counting any reprints, any annuals, any specials, any, you know, one-shots, anything like that, just issues of the series itself. Like 400-something? I have 86 issues. 86 issues of a character I don't even like. (laughs) Yeah, that's. It's not so much that you have the eighty six. It's this eighty six of a character you don't like. <laughs> I don't even like this guy, and I have eighty six issues. So, yeah, but yeah, you know, that's... you don't like him. But you have to admit that the Frank Miller run was really quality and historic. So even without liking the character, you, you know, you could say, okay, yeah, you got to include those, and that's right. probably about half your run. That that's a good yeah that is a good bunch of it and then uh, there's scattered issues that I know like I Byrne did you know some covers he may have done interiors on one I forget I want to say there was an issue that had Ghost Rider I think 
crossing over, and it, I, I think that has – I know it has something to do with Burr, and I don't know. He, he wrote it or did the cover or penciled it or something like that. And, you know, scattered issues here and there with, you know, for, that I kept for one reason or another. But overall, it really just comes down to, I you know, at some point I bought a collection and there was a bunch of Daredevil, and I just kept them. I, oh, come on. You know you're a closet Daredevil lover. <laughs> he walks yeah. around with his uh, little horns on. <laughs> I, uh, I hate you. I I hate you, Daredevil. But but I have eighty six of your books. <laughs> but I hate you. But I can't quit you. I can't quit you. <laughs> Just looking at the artwork in this again, and I totally agree with you. The artwork in it is beautiful. And I, I've I've often said I think Sal Buscema is way underrated. Uh, you know, I, I think some of the quality, some of the work of his that isn't up to the same quality, is more caused by how prolific he was that they had him pumping out so many pages a month that, you know, the quality had to suffer a little bit for it. But you see when, when he had time and when he was inked by a quality anchor, you see that his layouts are really, really dynamic. Uh, you know, the storytelling is excellent and, and the artwork is just quality. Uh, but one of the things that, that we didn't talk about that I think you got to give credit to is Klaus Jansen not only inked it, but he also did the coloring. And I think the coloring right. in this issue really sets the mood. Mm-hmm. I, Very I think, much yeah, so. Page, I think it complements the artwork tremendously. Page fifteen is is a is a full page splash, and it's got the beetle and gladiator, and they're coming out of what is what is the wreckage from where the train slams into the station. And there's this weird purple, blue, pink smoke that they're just coming out of towards Daredevil. I actually think, even though this is the same artist that was on the Daredevil book. I think this artwork is better, at 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 least to me. You mean the later stuff with Miller? No, 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 no. When when we uh, because didn't we mention that this same art team did the Daredevil book that we reviewed a couple? The Defenders book. The Defenders book. Defenders. Yeah. Yeah. What was I I saying? You said the Daredevil. Oh, the sorry. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. I really, really like the artwork in the Defenders book, but I think this is even better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just and slightly maybe it's more because, polished, I think. Maybe it's yeah. because Klaus is doing the coloring. Maybe he didn't do the coloring in, in that book. I don't think he did. Because I know when Frank Miller comes on, Klaus does is is still on, on, on the book then and then and uh those are some good some you know good 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 issues there too. Yeah, well I think what happened was it ended up being Frank Miller inked by Klaus Jansen and then eventually it became Klaus Jansen Doing doing basically a Frank Miller imitation in his artwork without Miller. Mm-hmm. What do we got? Uh, what do we got up next? Uh, you're gonna rush us right into the DC, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's me. Let's see. I brought first issue, issue special number seven. I'm not on a good streak of books lately. <laughs> And uh, first issue special was the 1970s DC series, similar to Marvel Spotlight or Marvel Premiere, where they'd just have uh, basically every issue was a first issue because it had a new character. And originally, I think it started out as a Jack Kirby uh, vehicle where he would just throw, you know, because Kirby was always coming up with new characters. So he would just throw a new character in every issue. But uh, after about four or five issues... It just became open for whatever. Uh, and issue number seven features the Creeper. 
And I get the feeling this might just be a uh, inventory story that they had laying around from uh, when the Creepers' own series was canceled a couple of years earlier, and they thought, mm-hmm. well, this is a good way to just publish it. It's got a cover date of October of 1975. It was a 25-cent book at the time. Uh, the title of the issue is Menace of the Human Firefly. The script is by Michael Fleischer. The art is by Steve Ditko and inked by Mike Royer. It is edited by Joe Orlando. And the cover is by Steve Ditko, Al Milgram, and Tatiana Wood. And it's a pretty pedestrian cover as far as I'm concerned. And it's got a character called Firefly, who has got to be one of the lamest-looking villains ever, swinging from a line and kicking the creeper high over a city. Firefly looks lame. The background is pretty free of details, texture, or interest of any kind. Uh, But the creeper looks pretty good. That's as much as I could say about the cover. The story opens with a splash page showing Firefly using some type of light from his belt to throw the creeper into some flames and telling him that he's no match for the genius of Firefly. Well, how did we get to this scene? Pull up a chair and listen in. The story begins at the Gotham Penitentiary, located on an island in Gotham Bay, where TV news reporter Jack Ryder and his crew are filming a documentary on prison reform. The warden is giving them a tour, and we see Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. the Scarecrow, and Two-Face in their respective cells. Then Ryder sees a man he doesn't recognize and asks about him, because I guess Ryder feels he should know everybody who's in the prison. And the man he sees is named Garfield Linz, uh, and he was called the Firefly. He had been captured by the Batman years earlier, and he was placed in isolation for attacking another inmate. As they discuss him, the warden shows that he really doesn't know too much about him, and after they leave, the Firefly brings us up to date with his expository thoughts about how he was the world's foremost lighting effects genius, and how he stole some lenses from backstage during the prison's annual play, and what a rollicking good time that must have been. I can just picture the prison production of Les Miserables as I'm sitting here now. <laughs> look down, look down. I'm oh, sorry. It really doesn't take much to get you to burst into song, does it? <laughs> I'm fabulous! <laughs> anyway, he uses the lenses that he stole to focus a moon... To focus moonlight into a laser-like beam and melt through the bars of his cell. And he also uses it to put down an ineffectual prison guard who sets off an alarm. The warden suggests that Ryder and his crew wait in his office while he looks into it. However, Jack Ryder uses the opportunity to transform into the Creeper. Meanwhile, Firefly knocks out another guard and heads for a waiting boat. He's confronted by the Creeper and uses his weapon to shoot him square in the chest. And for reasons that escape me, it only knocks him out instead of burning a hole right through him. When the Creeper regains consciousness, the Warden and two guards approach him and accuse him of helping Firefly to escape. He quickly eludes them and changes back into his civilian persona. The Firefly returns to an abandoned lighthouse, which I guess is a pretty clever light, uh, hideout for a guy who uses light weapons. Uh, where his gear is untouched untouched because abandoned lighthouses are all over the place and no one ever goes into them. He puts on his extremely silly-looking costume and sets off to start some criminal mayhem. First, he'll need to get some flunkies, so of course he goes to the local pool hall, which is frequented by denizens of the underworld, once again proving that pool is an evil game. 
the local hoods basically and rightfully laugh at him until he just dematerializes one of them. And having proven his criminal abilities, the remaining hoods say, okay, we'll join up with you. Meanwhile, at the offices of Gotham City's Wham! TV, Jack Ryder is taking orders from Mr. Mixia's Pil... No, it was Mr. Marley's. who's <laughs> directing him to report that the Creeper is a villain, which he then does. A short while later, they get a report of a fire at the top 30 floors of the Skytop Diamond Exchange. 30 floors. <laughs> That's some big uh, fire, and the fireman calls it a regular, ta- regular towering inferno making reference to the pop culture of the day and uh, says that he doubts that anyone's there at this time of night and that they can't get their equipment up there to check. So they might as well just stand on the street and watch it burn to the ground. Oh my God. Something just occurred to me. I'm sorry to interrupt your synopsis. There was a reference to the towering inferno in my book. Oh yeah. (laughs) Wow. Mm. That's bizarre. This is what happens when we don't compare notes before we start. (laughs) Serendipity strikes again. So Ryder makes a flimsy excuse to his crew that he's going to go interview some onlookers, but apparently can do so without his cameraman, so he can change into the creeper. (laughs) He climbs the 106 stories to the top of the building to see if there are any cleaning people in the building, because most people go into a 30-floor firing blaze just because maybe someone might be there. At that very moment, Firefly and his men are atop of the building, and they're talking about how the fire is merely an illusion, allowing them to loot the diamond exchange. The Creeper makes quick work of the two flunkies, but Firefly hits him with his electrolighter ray, simulating a 2,000-volt electric shock. Burns up his whole pack of smokes in one go. (laughs) He then hits him with two more rays and knocks him over the side of the building effectively defeating him for the second time. The crowd watches as he falls, and though we don't actually see him land, we are given a thud sound effect, which lets us know that he has. A doctor on the scene says that he can't believe it, but the creeper is still alive. He just fell 106 stories. So he must be one tough bastard. He's heavy duty. Yeah, I, I never realized that. How I, you know, I was kind of just, just thought he was a regular guy in a costume with acrobatic ability. I didn't realize he was the Hulk. Now, hours later, the creeper wakes up in a detention ward at the hospital, handcuffed to a bed. The doctor asks him if he can conduct some tests, which the creeper says, sure, why not? So once he does that, the doctor leaves, I guess, to go get his testing equipment, running off, you know, all happy. But while he's gone, the creeper breaks out of the handcuffs and pulls open the window bars to escape, because as soon as the doctor left, nobody's bothering to watch him at all. We cut to the lighthouse where Firefly is planning to rob a luxury liner coming into Gotham with a fortune in priceless oriental pearls on board. You know, you would think, like, that they're always announcing, hey, this ship's coming in with this cargo. You know, where do people even find this out? (laughs) It's always on the front page of the Gotham Gazette. Yeah, exactly. Look, the ship is coming with these oriental pearls. That's headline material. Well, you see, those seedy guys that play pool are all dock workers, so they know what's coming (laughs) (laughs) out. You know, back when, back when I was a teenager and I used to go to a pool hall, I didn't realize that I was ruining my future. <laughs> the creeper smashes through a window and again makes quick work of the henchman. He monologues about how Firefly, Firefly unintentionally gave him a clue as to where he was going to be. Uh, the story was so interesting that I didn't bother looking back to see what the clue was. <laughs> he swings a henchman into flying Firefly and ruins his light belt. 
With his equipment ruined, he attempts to escape, and the creeper gives chase. When Firefly attempts to use his laser lighter, which is, I guess, the same tool he used at the very beginning, uh, the creeper reflects it back with a broken piece of glass, causing Firefly to fall into the angry sea. The creeper stands there for a moment, and then in a very dark moment, (laughs) bursts into laughter, which is where our story ends. Which is where our podcast began. He's laughing because he got your 25 cents. That's what he's (laughs) laughing about. You know something? That's that's what I came, the conclusion I came to at the end of this. This was not a good issue. But when you charge 25 cents an issue, which even allowing for inflation is probably similar to if they charged a dollar an issue today, you could get away with having stories that didn't have any real meat to them every once in a while. And it didn't matter. Everything didn't have to be epic. Right. You know, now when you when you're charging four dollars a book and it takes you fifteen minutes to read it and you and you think, well, that really nothing happened. You read this book today for four dollars and you're pissed off that you spent four dollars on it. <laughs> I'm spent, mm-hmm. I'm pissed off. I spent four minutes on it. That's what I'm pissed off about. <laughs> when you know when when you'd go to the store and you'd buy ten books for two dollars and fifty cents, if one of them turned out to be a stinker, it didn't really bother you that much. Back then, you know, if you if you were getting a regular run on a series and and they had a, a you know a bad run of ten or fifteen issues, you didn't stop collecting it because it was only twenty five cents an issue anyway. Right. Now, you know, now when it's $4 an issue, you get one bad issue. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop this. This, you know, it's just not worth it. No, I I agree with that logic because that's, I mean, I think that's largely why the one comic I've ever returned in my entire life, I think that's largely why. It wasn't necessarily that it was was so horrible, which it was. It was an awful, awful book. It was the fact that it was a hardcover graphic novel that was like 25 bucks. I'm like, hell no. If this was, you know, like you say, you know, two fifty, then you just suck it up and go. Well, I got took for two fifty. It was a shit book, and you throw it in a bag and a board, and you forget, you know, you forget all about it. When it's twenty five bucks, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm going demanding my damn money back, you know. So yeah, exactly. So what was it? Was it the Celestial Madonna saga? It was JLA Earth Two, which is one of the shittest books I've ever read. Yeah, I have I've got that, but I don't remember that. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should go back and look at it, but I don't remember that being too, too bad. It ain't it's, $25 worth of good is what I'm saying, though. It's five, so maybe I won't hate it as much. Say what now? I bought it for five. Yeah, see, five bucks? I'd, yeah, if I if I'd paid five bucks, I'd have probably sucked it up. Oh, that's Grant Morrison, right? Yeah. 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 He and I go way back. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to the Creeper for a moment. I like the artwork in this book. This is this is Steve Ditko, and it's inked by who did I say that was? Mike Royer. And unlike most inkers of Steve Ditko from you know 1975 on, uh, he didn't seem like he was afraid to ink it. A lot of a lot of the books in Steve Ditko's later career, it seemed like when when they inked it, they would only all they would do is just darken the pencils a little bit, and they'd leave it because. Uh, I guess they were afraid of putting their own stamp on it at all. I can't stand the way the station manager, if that's who it is, looks. He just looks stupid. But the rest of the artwork I kind of like. Uh, if you go to the one, two, three, four, five, fifth page of the story, when uh, Firefly is escaping from prison and he just whacked the guard over the head, the third panel on that page, I think he looks just like Jack Kirby. Not Jack Kirby art. He actually looks like he drew. Jack yes. Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I, you know for the most part I think the artwork is pretty decent in this. It's it's Steve Ditko, you know, 
the way he drew things, and, and it was fine. Uh, except for that one character who I just think looks ridiculous. The Mr. Mixelplick guy. Yeah. Well, he's working at Wham TV, which must be ran by uh, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. <laughs> so, you know, it scares me that you even know both names. <laughs> not many people know both names. <laughs> people know George Michael, and you know, I think most of us wish we could forget that. Oh, I so much want to break into a Wham song, but I'll, I'll <laughs> restrain myself. Wait until we're ready to go-go. <laughs> <laughs> well, wake me up before you go-go. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what do you guys think of this, other than the fact that it was a bad story? Um, I really just have one big question. And this happens <laughs> anytime. Well, my question is, where the hell are Batman and Robin? This is always my thought when you have a character, uh, a B character... In an A character operating in an A character city. So if it's like the Creeper operating in Gotham City or Black Lightning operating in Metropolis, I'm always like, where the hell is the A character when a big enough deal happens? This isn't you a know, big, it, this guy's a two bit thug. He's he set a friggin' skyscraper on fire, or at least they thought it was on fire. So that's a big enough deal for Commissioner Gordon to pick up the red phone and be like, uh, Bat dude, you need to get down here and deal with this, like. Cause Why would Batman fight a fire? Because he's freaking Batman. Why would he fight a fire, though? I That's... don't know. He'd get the bat fire truck and he'd come deal with the situation. Because everybody the knows bat fire truck. that every yeah. civil servant in, ba- in Gotham City is not worth a shit. That's why he keeps Batman around. What they should have had oh. is they should have had, right after the fire scene, they should have had a, like, a couple of panels where they showed Bruce Wayne making out with some chick. The TV on in the background with the <laughs> fire, and then the, the uh, phone ringing. Him, he looks up at it, looks at the TV, and then goes back to making out with the chick. That would have been perfect. Like, I'm Batman. What do I need to fight yeah. a fire for? I'm See, not, I'm. You can't call Mister Freeze. <laughs> See, you couldn't really show it in the comics, but I've always imagined that after a certain amount of time, the bat signal starts to flash if he doesn't show up. You know what I mean? So that's what I'd like to see is him making that, you know, the same scenario you said, but except that the bat signal is in the sky in the background. He's just not noticing it. It starts to blink after a while. Because... And then <laughs> the creepy, bat creepy Alfred standing in the darkness, you know, Master Bruce. Whoa, what the hell are you back there for? How long have you been there? You know, I thought they, you were at the movies. They had a, uh, a cool scene. I thought it was kind of cool. Almost answering the whole Batman thing in the... I don't think it's the most recent, but one of the more recent superior Spider-Man issues. Basically, J. Jonah Jameson likes the Doc Ock Spider-Man persona, mm-hmm. and he and he's kind of like uh, you know made him made friends with him. So he creates like the spider signal from the roof of whatever city hall that he he shines up in the sky when he's trying to call him. So he calls him over. The first thing Spider-Man does is he smashes it. And he says, we can't do that. Here's a cell phone. Call me. He says, I don't need every criminal in New York knowing exactly where I am. <laughs> but I thought that was a good scene. Well, you know, a, uh, I got a weird real-life equivalent to this fire on, on top of the building, you know, being caused by special effects. When I was in the Navy in, in Portland, Maine, our ship was in dry dock, and across, across the harbor was another Navy ship was in dry dock under uh, – doing repairs too so one night we go to leave the ship it's 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 late at night we're walking down our side of the pier and we look over across and at the top of the mast it's on fire 
there's this orange flame going and, and we're like, what the heck is that? And why isn't anybody responding to it? So we ran back on our ship. We we're like, look, there's a fire over there on the other ship across the, you know, they they called the ship. Hey, your mast is on fire. <laughs> you guys got to do something about it. And I mean, we had like about a dozen people and we're all standing there and we swear we're looking at a fire on top of this thing. What it turned out it was was a big giant orange spotlight that was on top of it and a bunch of um, uh, plastic um, uh, uh, covers for equipment had come loose in the wind and, and they were flapping into the light and they were just moving around and it looked exactly like a flame and it, it had us all fooled. So uh, that's my real life, real life versus comic books. It does happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know that we're going to call, we're gonna call this, this segment we're going to make this a regular segment every ish, every episode <laughs> we're going to call it real life with Dr. Bill Robinson <laughs> so okay. you've got to come up with a story every <laughs> oh, week oh man <laughs> for, for at least one book okay oh man and and I'm not going to have and you're going to make sure you don't give me the books ahead of time so I'm going to have to think of something either from my book or on my feet I'll break my dog's now my dog's barking great. <laughs> Save that for next week. That might be a real life segment. <laughs> so yeah, this this you know it's good old Steve Ditko, good art, but uh, you know I mean he's not to blame for the story. But I think he you know, be. <laughs> I, I, I'm not so quick to give him a pass on that. I, it says script by Michael Fleischer. I think it might be totally uh, plotted by Ditko, mm. and that that all all. Fleischer might have added is the dialogue. Oh, where did this? So this guy just he can convert moonbeams to uh, to do his bidding too. Yeah, because oh. moonbeams are apparently as powerful as sunbeams. <laughs> now, is this the same Firefly who comes back and and he's a pyromaniac and Batman's I always think, fighting him? I think you're thinking of the moth. No, no, there there is an actual character called Firefly. Scott is right about that. But uh Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Firebug is the guy I'm thinking of. Okay. Firebug, yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah, but the the, the, mm. the Pyro is a different guy. Yeah. Hmm. He's a snappy dresser though. I'll, I'll say that much but, for him. Dude, Bad he's ladies man. What? What did you say? Did you say bad costume? I said that's a bad costume. Oh, okay. He he looks like he essentially did the Booster Gold thing, where he just basically threw together whatever was laying around the house and made a costume out of it. I always like the Creepers look, though. It's just, I don't know, like the, the wild red hair thing that he's got coming out of his back instead of a cape just always looked cool to me. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was keeping my, my opinion of the Creeper to myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a character who I always thought looked kind of cool, but I never really read any stories by him or with him. I've read some recent some stuff only recently. I think there was uh oh you know this is starting to become a John Byrne podcast. I'm trying to think of where he was. He was either in a JLA or uh, a Demon, where the Creeper was in it or something. I kind of remember him being in there by Byrne. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Byrne did that run on JLA, uh, not JLA proper, JLA, like it was a... Classified or something? Yeah, yeah. Him and, him and, he and Stern did some JLA. Yeah. That's that's all I can think of 
of Byrne on JLA, though. I don't think he ever did the regular series. I think he did do one arc where they reassembled the team from uh, from Uncanny X-Men. It was him and Claremont and somebody else did a short run. I have no idea if the Creeper was in it, but I think that was in the proper JLA book, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there was JLA. It was in the proper JLA. It was close to issue 100. I want to say it was like in the like 94 to like 102 or something. Something like that. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think I've read all of it, but I I think I've checked it out when it came I, out. I know I've seen a burn creeper somewhere, and it was it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I have to. I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember where I saw it though. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. But no, he's I. I don't care for him. I like the origin story. Like, if you read his origin story and, like, who's who, it's an interesting or- origin story. You know, the thought that, you know, he's basically shut up, you know, shot up with a whole bunch of uh, experimental drugs that so affects his mind and his body chemistry and stuff that he just kind of wigs out from time to time and <laughs> basically becomes like a crime fighting joker. So it's an interesting concept. I just don't like the execution. I, I think the costume is just. I think he's got one of the goofiest looks, but I don't know. That's me. I see. In all fairness, though, I've never been a Ditko fan. I love Ditko Spider-Man. Everything else I've ever seen of his, I, I it's just not to my taste. I just not not a fan. Sorry. See, I think we talked about this once before. I actually prefer Ditko's Doctor Strange to Ditko Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah, that was before episode 100. I don't know what got us on that. But, uh, yeah. I might have to go back and examine that stuff at some point. Because I'll be honest, I've never really given it a fair shake. Because to me, it's a double whammy Anything with Doctor Strange is that I've never been a, a fan of magic-based characters. I just I don't enjoy them. I don't enjoy them when they don't give them clear limitations. Right. You know when it when it's just you could pull out any uh, Deus Ex Machina any time at the end of any issue and just say, "Whoops, well it's magic." That's what right. I don't like. Yeah, I hate that. Shit. But if but if you give him a, a you know a reasonably defined power set even with magic i'm okay with that right yeah i i think i suspect stern may have done that on his run or, or at least tried to do something similar to that but you know all that early stuff uh particularly by lee i find to be like that where he would get in a bind and then he would suddenly remember some incantation or something and get himself out of it and it's like well, if you're going to do that every issue, then where's the mystery? Where's the suspense? You know, I, I like it better when I know that my character has, you know, these seven superpowers and that's it. You know, yeah. that's well, they, they would also use the trope that he used with the X-Men where, you know, they would get into a situation where they couldn't get out and Professor Xavier would come and rescue them. And then he would do that with Strange where the Ancient One would come and get him out of whatever problem he was in. Hmm. So it was another... The, another aspect, but he has had some very good runs. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking there was like a trippy uh, Steve Englehart run right around the time in that uh, is that Defenders issue that uh, we we talked about a couple of times today. Right around then, around the early 70s, it was Steve Englehart and uh, Frank Bruna did the art, right? And, and and it was very trippy. I, I don't know what Mr. Englehart was uh, 
<laughs> ingesting at the time, but I but I'm thinking it was quite potent. <laughs> I have always enjoyed his battles with Dracula, though. I will say that much. I think I have most all of those, if not all of them. But that's all I got. So we ready to go independent? Do we want to do the independent, or do we want to save it for next time? Because we are running a little long, but it's up to you guys. Well, we, we took a while well, to start recording. We're right at about an hour, I would say, now. So what do well, you think? Well, I mean, we, we could do it next time. That's 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 fine with me. I know. Are you sure you won't feel slighted? No, 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 no. We don't, no. Want, to would, hear, we don't want to hear your stupid book. Well, no, that would also <laughs> give me a chance to read it, too, because I'd really like to read it before we delve into it. So I, I have maybe a little bit to contribute as well. But No, well, yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I, I've read through it twice so far, so maybe I'll have a little bit more time. Although it's, it's a pretty quick book. It's, I'm not sure why, but you've had Cylon voice several times tonight, and I'm not sure what's mm. what's going on with that. How about now? I got yeah. a little closer to the mic, but I mean, no, I've, been off, I've it, been off to the side here, like where I am right now, but now I'm back on the mic, but it shouldn't really be. I think it's a Skype issue. Are you hearing okay. it, Paul? Yeah, I am. I am. I, I was hoping it was just coming on my end. I haven't heard it tonight. So, yeah, maybe it's my connection. I think it's yours, yeah, because Paul's been fine, and how, well, that's how, probably how, just as well. We don't do my book. How have I sounded tonight? No problem. You guys have sound fine. All right, yeah. awesome. Except except for the weaknesses in our actual voices, <laughs> <laughs> and Skype can't help that. I'm suspecting that I'm probably going to wind up with laryngitis later in the week because my throat's freaking killing me. But it's good to have mm. you back on board for. Uh, for oh, a show. absolutely. And I, honestly, I, I apologize. I just, I got hip deep in it there for a bit and couldn't seem to catch a break to, to get to where I could get on it. But I, I still want to do the show and, uh, and I'm intent on uh, and making as many shows as I can. But it's like I told you guys a while back, too. I mean, if I can't, then I don't, I don't, I'm not sweating it anymore the way I used to because I, I think that we have a solid enough team now that you know we we now have the luxury of being able to to drop in and drop out you know any one of us and the others can kind of pick it up and and you know carry the the slack for the others and i i love that i think that's awesome i think that's great well, i gotta say as, as much as i wanted you on board for the shows i did enjoy having chrissy for two episodes and having andy along for an episode you know it's kind of cool I would have liked to have been a part of the one with Andy. I'm, I'm anxious to hear that one, actually. I haven't heard it. but um, Yeah, that, that's a tangent, Phil Verong. <laughs> I want to I have Chris on with all of us. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, Chris Chris definitely brings a new perspective to, to virtually everything. He's a f- mental case. I've been telling you guys for years. Nobody believes me. He's a nut. We believe it. Just mo- Most of us think he's a harmless nut. We, don't, we, don't, we haven't seen the... Uh... The destructive capabilities yet, <laughs> but uh, as long as long as we're not doing a third book, and I got an extra minute here, I just want to throw out to the listeners because we didn't get any email today, and I always enjoy you know getting the email. Uh, usually, when we get messages, they're you know usually several paragraphs long, kind of giving us a whole uh, you know breakdown of what the person is thinking, and those those are all great, and I'd like those to keep coming. But in addition to that. You know, I just want to let you guys know out there, if you just have, you know, you want to send a, a quick question out there, something you'd like to hear us discussing, specific book you'd like to hear us cover, anything that you have as far as uh, 
format that you have any suggestions or anything, we really would be open to hearing it. And uh, I'm, I'm requesting that you, you know, let us know what you're thinking. If you have a certain song you'd like me to sing, or if you'd like me to stop singing. <laughs> uh, Scott, I really like the uh, Wizard of Oz commentary, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. That's uh, have it. I haven't heard it left, and I left my iPod in a guy's van that I was working with today, so <laughs> i got to get it back tomorrow. So many jokes in that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, as soon as I said it, I was like, Was oh, it the candy episode. van? <laughs> no. <laughs> did, he, did, did he ask you to come in because he lost his puppy? <laughs> you big fat person? Uh, did he ask you if you liked hard, hard candy, little boy? Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsen.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. 